think Mary took my answer. However, the second thing that I enjoy is the thrill of the hunt. Just <laughs> finding those books. Hello, you are listening to the Plumfield Moms, and this is Plumfield in Person. Hello, friends. Last summer, we had the great joy of chatting with our friend Kathy Seeker, who is a library lady. In that conversation, we had a great opportunity to better understand what a living books library was and what a living books librarian does. After that wonderful conversation, we reached out to a few other library ladies and had a great conversation with them in September. That conversation made it very clear to us that we were going to need to have library ladies on on a regular basis. To get started, we recorded that conversation and broke it into two episodes. This is the second half of that conversation. You know, I think about what you were saying, Sherry, and I think about how bank tellers are taught how to spot counterfeit money by studying the real money. And I think that that's what we're talking about here with these books. If your patrons, if people who are listening are able to study the old books, it will make it easier for them to spot those new books or even old books that they come across that aren't great they'll be able to better spot that's not a good one. Like maybe I can't tell you exactly why something about it feels off to me. And so I think that that's one of the things that um, these old books really do give us is kind of the litmus test. Is it like this? Sandy put together for us a comparison between, Sandy, was it a McClung book or a Blau? It was a McClung about the alligator. Yeah. Compared it to a modern book about alligators, just from my public library. And I took the first two paragraphs of each book and then asked 10 questions. How many sentences? How many words per sentence? How many adjectives? How many figures of speech? How many sentences started with something other than the subject? Just questions like that. And there's no comparison. It's just astounding the difference. And maybe there are some good books written about alligators today. Obviously, I'm sure there are. But that there's no life in that newer book. It was just so factual, caption-type writing with no life to it at all. No beautiful description, no story that just draws you into the life of this alligator. And I have, I have pulled that book several times or any McClung book that's on my shelf and just read the first few chapter, first few paragraphs aloud to my patron moms. Like, this is what you're looking for. And they all are like, wow, it's just so beautiful. And it's about alligators. (laughs) Who knew that you could like alligators or buzztail or leaper? Like, I don't care, but I cared by the end of the skunk or or strike the skunk. (laughs) (laughs) But that's one of those things where it is, it's, it's like with teaching your children to eat the right food. Mm -hmm. It's our responsibility to teach them that because when they see the big flashy book with, that's almost all photographs and maybe there's one sentence there and there's a thought bubble and there, you know, all of the attractive things, they don't know that they're eating junk food. 
So we have to know that and we have to teach their parents because you, you can't blame them for not knowing. Of course, mm-hmm. they're attracted to the flashy stuff. That's true, Diane. I agree with that. So Sandy, the question that I started with and Diane, I remembered then that Diane wanted to start with <laughs> an easier one. Sandy, you put in our chat, our signal chat, the question of with those who have had these libraries in their homes, how do you balance that home life, homeschool life and library balance when you, it's really integrated when it's right there in your house. How do you find the balance between all of that? I think it's something you have to talk, first of all, to your husband, if you're married, um, how is the flow of this going to affect our family time? But we did that about a lot of things, right? We didn't have, we had five children. We didn't have them all involved in different sports. And so that every night's dinner was disrupted, you know, three seasons out of the year, we just had to make those decisions. And so the library was just part of that. I think more of the challenge for us was space because we were in a 1200 square foot house with five children and no basement. And (laughs) And then you put a library in every room. Um, that's impressive. <laughs> I didn't have as many then. I have 16,000 plus now. I, I probably had four or 5,000 at the time. But I even had to store some in bins in the garage. Like, here's all the American Revolution books, and I don't need them this year, but somebody might. So I'm going to put them together and did the best we had with the space we had. So for us, it was more the challenge of space. The library just kind of flowed out of our ministry. This is who we are as a family. And you come into our house and you see books everywhere. And if you want to borrow some, you may. So that's that's kind of how we face that. When I moved to Long Island and really set it up officially as a library, then we agreed to an afternoon, one afternoon and one evening a week that I would be open. Perfect. Perfect. And that worked for us. Mary, what about you? I still don't have set library hours Mm. um, or, you know, a specific library day or library hours. Um, A lot of what I was doing when things were in our other location is I knew what people were wanting and I would kind of put them in bins for them. Mm -hmm. And, and now it's just, okay, well, you need to come over and take care of your library stuff and let's make it a, a date and a plan. And, and we just do it that way right now, nice. because we're still, we're still trying to organize things. Mm-hmm. And, um, I'm a now in my grandma stage. And so it's like, okay, I, I'm still trying to figure out what's a good day mm-hmm. to have my library open for a set day and hours. Mm-hmm. But right now it's just open. If anybody I'm here. If anybody wants to call me, that's how we've worked it. Nice. Sherry, what about you? Well, like I said, I didn't really, I didn't really start the library until my youngest child was, I think she was a senior in high school. So it hasn't been very disruptive. It hasn't been disruptive to our homeschooling or anything like that. Mm. There is always the problem of space. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I, uh, I started out in a small room. And I've expanded to another room that we built in our garage for bedroom space when I had <laughs> eight children at home. And then um, I recently expanded into my youngest daughter's bedroom 
to move out. Um, so, and I promised that this would be the last room I would take over. But, uh, Just Barry, you have room to go up. You yep. cases. Uh, yeah, I think I was thinking when Sandy said that, said something like that, that people need to know that if they're thinking about having a library, it's not like we're, we have libraries that are open every day, nine to five or, or something like that. <laughs> right. It's up to you how, what kind of hours you set, whether you just come by appointment or I know some ladies have a library and they're open once a month Oh, for yeah. a library day and they have like, you know, 20 families that come on one day, which it's would like be a party to me, but yeah. <laughs> um, some people do it that way. So it's, it's, it's sort of, that's another thing that evolves as you, as you go on and see what works for you. Really, this is just amazing. You can really design this to suit you and the call that you feel that you have on your heart to do this. And so you can meet the people you you need. You know, like Sandy was saying, um, there are some regions of the country where you can still get a lot of living books because there are either older parts of the country where there are a lot more older bookstores and a lot more older libraries, um, or there's just a really strong homeschooling population and there are books that are being resold frequently. And so maybe those places, the library needs to be almost more of a social thing, you know, a place where everybody comes and gets recommendations together and has a story hour or something like that. More about enrichment, more about homeschool help, more about supporting this library culture. And then you have areas uh, like mine, which is, so Kathy's in my state. I believe she's the only librarian in my state and she's three hours from me. So it's not like I'm going to be a member of Kathy's library. We're in Wisconsin, which is one of the top 10 homeschooling friendly states in the country. It's very easy to homeschool here, which means there's a ton of homeschoolers, which means there are no books <laughs> because all of the libraries have been emptied. <laughs> and so we could really, really benefit from having more regional libraries here. So anybody who's listening, and I do know that people locally are listening, I am not going to be that librarian in this season. So somebody else should get started and I'll help. Tell us where you are. Tell us the name of your library, where you're located, and how people can find you. Okay. Well, um, my library is called Marriott Homeschool Library. Um, people who don't know ask where that came from, and it <laughs> comes from Lord of the Rings. Marriott is Mary's full name. And I'm located in Houston, Texas, but that doesn't really give people enough information because I have people come to me all the time and say, oh, you're in Houston? I'm in Houston too. Uh, and then they find out that I'm in Southeast Houston, uh -huh. uh, Clear Lake area near NASA. My husband was an engineer for NASA. Oh, cool. That's an hour and a half away from mm -hmm. some other people who live in Houston. <laughs> yeah. Although I have families that come from an hour and an hour and a half away to use my library. I believe um, that. They don't come frequent. They usually come every couple of months or something like that. But oh. anyway, I'm in Southeast Houston. And you are on Facebook. I am. I have a library page on Facebook and I have a, my catalog is at Tiny Cat. Okay. So I will definitely put all the links to everybody in the show notes so that people can find you. 
My new house is in Northwest Oklahoma City. We are up near Northwest Expressway. And um, I also still have my house on the Southeast side of Oklahoma near Tinker Air Force Base. So I can meet people too. And my library is listed on the Living Book Libraries website for libraries. Mary, did you tell us the name of your library and I missed it? It's the Purcell Schubert Legacy Library. Purcell was my father's last name, my maiden name. P-E-R-C-E-L? P-U-R-S-E-L-L. That's beautiful. You don't necessarily have to have a library name, but when Mm -hmm. we were first when I first joined um, the Yahoo group, everybody was talking about what's your library name and everything. <laughs> I'm up with something. And I just, so much of what I have is either because I have books from my father or my inheritance is how I've built my mm. library. Mm. And it was the way I wanted to, to honor my family. That's I love beautiful. that. Sandy, tell us about Hall's Living Library. Yep, that's the name of my library, Hall's Living Library. I'm in Dallas, Georgia, not Dallas, Texas, Dallas, Georgia, on the northwest side of Atlanta. And I, too, have people that drive an hour from all directions and come every other month or so um, just because the books are gone (laughs) from every other place I know. And so... I'm here and my library is housed at Highlands Community Church. And I encourage people that are starting to think about building a library. If you're coming through 75 and Atlanta area, I'm not that far off 75 and you're welcome to arrange for a tour. It's always fun to show it off and just encourage others in this pursuit. Oh, and I should mention all three of you are on Mighty Networks as well. If people want to contact you, if you're in the BiblioGuides Mighty Network, which is totally free, you can find these ladies there too. And I know, I know we've got a couple other people on, I think Terry Shorn is on there, Shorn is on there too. Awesome. Awesome. Well, and people need to know that there is a list of uh, libraries like ours uh, throughout the country because, you know, everybody that's listening is in all over the place. So, right. and I'm sure you can link to that also. Absolutely. And we'll put up a page on our webpage as well. So that's just universally accessible. And if you guys would send me pictures of your library, just one or two, whatever you like best, Ooh, if yeah. you'll, <laughs> if you'll send those to us, we will admire your pretty pictures and we'll put them on our website with your information. And while I know that there are websites and there are clearing houses out there, we'll just have this podcast linked. We'll have all the show notes so that it's, it's just one more place to give everybody exposure. We were talking about doing an ask the librarian series kind of thing. So if you can't think of something right this minute that's fine but if you were like here's my subject here's my specialty this is what I want my show to be about what would you (laughs) like us to ask you I just like talking about books I like talking about specific books um books that you recommend a lot um books Mm -hmm. that Mm -hmm. you know you recommend in different uh eras uh, and different genres. I like talking about books that people don't know about usually. Right. I think one of the things that I would like to address at some point in time is just trying to encourage people. I know there's, there's this notion that I don't know how to homeschool. Oh, or I don't know how to Charlotte Mason homeschool. 
Right. And I am not the Charlotte Mason expert. (laughs) We did not start homeschooling until our oldest was a senior in high school. My youngest was going into kindergarten. Mm. Chose to homeschool because my middle daughter was having some issues at school. And our number three daughter had just gotten on the cheer squad and the cheerleader squad. And our oldest son was starting fourth grade and wanted to help everybody else because he surely thought everybody else wanted to learn as much as he wanted to. (laughs) And so we had decided to homeschool our youngest and our daughter that was entering 10th grade. And so then kept our son that was going into fourth grade home too. And I did a lot of eclectic and a lot of looking things up and trying to figure out and but that's one of the reasons also that I wanted to start the library mm-hmm. because I was looking for books that I wanted for my children for like, especially older science books and things that I couldn't find that same information in curriculum. Right. But I know a lot of the moms, sometimes I think they're so afraid that they're going to miss something mm-hmm. with their children. Mm-hmm. And they need a guide or they need something to give them, especially if they're t- teaching a lot of children at once. Mm-hmm. But the difficulty that I have as a librarian is when they give me their list of books, I may or may not have the books that they're asking for, even if they're still good books, even with all of the books that I have, mm-hmm. I don't have every, every biography available right. on a you know, on an, uh, a specific person. And so I'd like to address just the fact that come, come into a library, come into a living books library and see how we can help you find what books can be the best for your children. Even if it's not the specific book that you need for that specific curriculum that yes, you can still homeschool your child and you can still have a wonderful education for them without mm-hmm. necessarily having to follow the set curriculum, right? These mm-hmm. particular books. Yeah. Yes. We always say these guides and these book lists are tools, not tyrants. And mm-hmm. so they are guides, but there's no replacement for a living librarian. If you come to a living librarian and say, I have a son that is completely obsessed with frogs and I want to make some meaningful connections for him. All he's going to read about is frogs. So can you help me find some books so that I can make sure he's getting a science education out of his love of frogs? Right. You've got books on frogs. I'm sure of it. (laughs) And really good ones. (laughs) And you might also say, well, you know, if he really loves frogs, maybe he'd actually like a book on ponds other related things that would help him make bigger connections that might not be on a list that mom's going to find checking Amazon. Right. It's only going to come from the mind and the heart of a librarian who respects what the mom is trying to do and says, well, what about this? Try this. There's something I always do when the moms come in and there's an interest in one area like that, or something they're trying to study is I try to find several books of different genres that relate to that theme. Mm. So if you're doing weather, then you want Snowflake Bentley Mm -hmm. and you want a book about weather, but you also want some poems about snow. So you try to bring all of those together or, 
you know, a biography matched with a science topic or a history matched with a picture book that Mm -hmm. is beautiful or whatever. So just that helps children retain the knowledge is the more connections you can help them make in their brain, that webbing type mapping Mm -hmm. makes a total difference in their learning and it expands their learning rather than just this science topic about frogs, now I'm going to branch into other areas that relate to it. And that's a beautiful part of education that you can do with these living books. The other thing I wanted to mention is that my favorite, and maybe we could ask this ladies, Mary and Sherry, what's your favorite section of the library? Mine is historical fiction. I love historical fiction. (laughs) And I have over 2000 books in that genre and they are in order chronologically with on the spine label the date the book begins and so any period of history that a family is studying I can take them to that shelf and say here's books and I put picture books there and you know middle school age and even more advanced reading levels all together still but like all the books on the American Revolution. Well, there's books of all reading levels there. Sure. And there's books that would make a great read aloud. So that just helps add to their history studies is to really help them read more historical fiction because that is a delightful way to learn history. So that's my favorite section of the library. I don't know what the other two ladies are. I'd love to hear. Yeah. So Sherry and Mary, what's your favorite section? So mine's historical fiction as well. <laughs> I, as, as far as something with some substance, I guess, if you want to put it that way, um, fantasy was not my thing. Mm-hmm. Um, the age difference between me and my older siblings, um, television had come into play by that time a lot. Yeah. And my parents, so my dad and my mom read to me, but I didn't have them reading things that they had read to my older siblings, but I do like historical fiction and I like, but I also like the nature books, the living nature books and the science books. Um, I just like history too. And, and Christian fiction, some of it can get to be a little bit of quote, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) but, but that is something that's been interesting too, for me is that as I have grown in this, as I have started learning more and reading more and broadening my horizons with things, just even reading the books like um, that we have on the book clubs and different mm-hmm. things and listening to other podcasts or listening to things that are recommended in our biblio guides or on the homeschool library group, that's broadened my horizons. And I've learned how to find those books that are rich for me as well. Isn't it amazing? A children's books that are written excellently are absolutely satisfying to us adults as well. Yes. Yes. Mary, it almost sounded like you were saying that you were sort of apologizing for liking historical fiction, like it's not substantial enough or something. I think that it is. That's how I learned most of my history after I got out of high school. (laughs) If you're reading the right books. Right. Well, my husband likes fantasy and he likes C.S. Lewis has always been his favorite author, Madeline Le Engle. And so he introduced all of that to my children. 
And honestly, my children like his stuff more than they like historical fiction. <laughs> but, but no, I think historical fiction, I guess part of it is I started a lot of, I read a lot of some quote, Christian historical fiction. Uh-huh. And I think there is a difference between some of the writing in historical fiction oh, and yes. the, the depth and so forth. So yeah. Yeah. Um, so I guess that's probably why I was kind of oh, okay. apologizing. <laughs> Sherry didn't get to tell us her favorite section of the library. Well, <laughs> I'm, I guess, lucky or something in that I've always enjoyed all kinds of genres of fiction. I like fantasy. I love historical fiction. I love uh, science fiction. Mm-hmm. Um, I love, you know, uh, what do they call them? Contemporary stories. I love picture books. And I didn't develop a love for science when I was a child. But my engineer husband just loves science. So when we were collecting books as as our children were growing up, and we would go to library book sales and things like that. Well, I would find all these great old books, you know, uh, fiction and biographies and things like that. And my husband would go to the children's section and find all these wonderful books on electricity and all that kind of stuff and throw them in the box of books. So I did get that, that way I got a very pretty much balanced collection of, of lots of different things. So that was good. I think my favorite right now are picture books and particularly I'm enjoying all the picture book biographies there are some older picture book biographies, but it's really become a thing in the last I don't Decade know, five, or so? six years. Just so good and so well written, some of them, and so and, and such beautiful, beautiful illustrations that you can, you know, just make the story come alive even more. And such a great place to start. You don't want to give those to a kid and let them think that they know everything they need to know. But for the beginning to to start becoming interested in that kind of thing, that's a beautiful way to do it. Yeah. And it does leave them on. They they read a book, you know, a picture book about George Washington or whatever, and then they they want to know more. Right. And so mm-hmm. they'll, they'll graduate up into, you know, the childhood of famous Americans or the signature biographies or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, Sherry, have you heard of it was published this year. So it's brand new. So I've not read it yet, but my son, when it's a sign for science, he does not come up for air. And then he's reading it at night and he's taking it to bed with him. So it is called the science of middle earth, a new understanding of Tolkien and his world. And it is written by PhDs in their field of specialty at like etymologist, paleontologist, botanists, physicists. There is an entire chapter, metallurgicalist. Metallurgical engineer. (laughs) Metallurgical engineer wrote on the metals that are used, that could have been used to shape the ring, that one, you can inscribe on it. And when it's heated, that comes to the forefront. And when it cools, it recesses. His mind is blown. There's the olifant and how the how the olifant is what different elephant 
categories it came from, how it would be influenced regionally, where it would come from, that would still be consistent. It's so it is science. It is still fiction slash fantasy, but it is just a real treat. Now, my son binge, I mean, he reads encyclopedias for fun all the time, literally all the time. <laughs> he wants to be an engineer. So um, I thought this one is really kind of a treat. And I, I thought, Sherry, you know, you are the Marriottic library. So <laughs> I thought this one might oh, be well. your speed. <laughs> well, gives me a really great idea for a Christmas present for my husband. Because <laughs> me too. <laughs> introduced him to fantasy and stuff like that and he really enjoys it with us and he enjoys the the movies the the Lord of the Rings movies and things like that but um, yeah he's like your son he sits down and does math problems for For fun fun. yeah (laughs) (laughs) we interviewed David Weitzman and he we talked about how he was going to be an engineer and he was in college and, and then he saw calculus looming <laughs> decided, nope, not for me. <laughs> and instead became an author, <laughs> a teacher and an author. <laughs> Mary, you've been doing this for a long time. What do you really love about this? What do you love about being a librarian? I think what I love the most is just being able to make connections with people. Mm-hmm. And also to help them find books for their children that then they come back to me and say, Mary, do you have more books like this? That's, that's satisfying um, to know that I'm helping other moms, newer moms, younger moms make connections with some of these older books and some of the newer books, the ones like the picture book biographies and things. Mm -hmm. Beautiful. Sherry, what about you? What do you love most about this? I think Mary took my answer. However, the second thing that I enjoy is the thrill of the hunt. Just (laughs) finding those books, like going to the thrift store or the used bookstore and coming across. I just yesterday went to this old used bookstore in Houston um and it's a mess it's like Mm. a a maze and the books are honestly not well cared for I was stepping Mm. on books oh because the they're just everywhere and the towers are leaning and it looks a little dangerous and all that kind of stuff um but I found some lovely books Mm. just a few um because I'm more and more it's I find good books, but I can't justify buying them because I already have a copy. Right. Um, even <laughs> though I want to save them. <laughs> yes. Um, so, uh, but I found um, a book that was recommended, I'm pretty sure, on BiblioGuides called The Christmas Anna Angel. Oh. It's by Kate Sheridy. Oh. And it's. No, it's illustrated by Kate Charity. It's by Ruth Sawyer. Mm. And it's a Christmas story. And I haven't read it yet. Oh. But I, somebody said it was a wonderful book. So I'm excited about that. And just, it's just fun to come across these old books. And and sometimes you do. You come across them for 50 cents or yes. dollars or something or like that. In Jill's, in Jill's case, eight cents. <laughs> 
Captain Kid for eight cents. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I love that. I love that answer. Sandy, what about you? Were all the good answers taken already? (laughs) Uh, Mostly, but it's just all the same thing that we share. Um, I always say it's not just the books, it's the relationships and the friendships Um, especially moving here five years ago, I didn't know anybody, nobody knew me. And now I have lots of friends. Those Mm -hmm. ladies become my friends. And I always tell them that the library is a safe place for them if they need to talk and unload or whatever, or rejoice together over something. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's definitely the relationships. For me, it's also seeing a child come in and usually it's a boy. (laughs) (laughs) about nine or 10 that their mother has dragged them to this library. (laughs) And at first they just sit on a little chair in the corner and have no interest, but gradually over the years, they're spending their own money to buy books. They are coming (laughs) in and just chattering away at me about these books. And Miss Sandy, have you read this? Have you read this? And they bring them in to share with me. So, and it doesn't always happen to be honest, but many times it does. And I, I love seeing that. I love seeing the children come in and just spread out on the floor and have a stack of books of all ages, the children that they're, or they're sitting in a corner just reading this unicorn because mom won't let them take it home and they read it every time they come. <laughs> um, so those kinds of things are f- special to me and the friendships, but also the books. And then just watching like a, a young man came in recently and wanted everything I had on the dark ages. So again, I went to the biographies, I went to the history, I even found some science things that related, like about catapults and, you know, just try to connect a whole bunch of things. And then I walked over to the music section and I actually pulled one of those old opera story books because the story of that opera is from the dark ages. And so I didn't use the word opera to this 12 year old boy. Cause I knew you would just like, what? <laughs> and so I shared that with him and his mother's behind him going, yay, I can't believe you got him to read that. So you now just, just sharing what you have and using what you have to be a blessing to others mm. is very life-giving to me personally. And that it is my happy place. Definitely. I mean, I, I love my children. I love my grandchildren. I have lots of good friends all over the country, But for the daily activity here of sharing these books is just delightful to me. I love that. Jill Morgan said to me the other day when we were talking about our respective work, she said, isn't it amazing when you can design a job for yourself that makes you so completely happy? Yes, it's true. It is. Well, ladies, we're really serious about doing the Ask a Librarian series, and that'll be an ongoing long-term thing. So we're still getting our heads around what that would look like, but it'll be to start in the winter. But so we will continue to be in contact with you to talk about that. And we do want to speak to some other librarians as well, because part of it is we really want to honor, give all of you honor and respect for the work that you've done and the, the path that you have trailblazed for us. We deeply appreciate that. And we want more people to understand it and be invited into the story. So we figure that frequent sharing of all of you and your expertise 
is going to do a lot to help other women consider doing this and to help people understand that they should go and find these living libraries and um, just to generally encourage the conversation to continue. And we will be sharing all of us, I'm sure, with our patrons, what you're doing with Plumfield Moms. And I have done that already, but I want them to listen to those book reviews and listen to the interviews to just open up that world to them as well. Thank you. We really appreciate that. Like you, we feel very much like this is ministry. That's why our husbands support it, um, because we, we are taking from our lives to do this, just as you are taking from yours. But I think it's what we've been called to do. I think we're being, all of us are being obedient. And um, I think that it makes a beautiful body when we can all work together in this way. So thank you. Yes. Thank you, ladies, for giving us your time. Sandy was talking about the sharing, and we really appreciate you sharing yourselves with us today. So Mary and Sherry and Sandy, thank you so much for coming. Thank you. And thank you for making it so that we want to keep talking and we will keep talking. (laughs) Please, please do. Please keep talking because I really enjoy I enjoy all the discussions of, like I said, I just like talking about books. Likewise, <laughs> likewise. Yeah, obviously. I think we are all crazy book ladies. There's we are. <laughs> Certified. Yeah, I always thought I was the only one, but I'm not. Thank no. <laughs> and you know what? I don't need to be alone on this. I don't need to be the only one. No, no, no. This is way more fun. <laughs> yes, it is more fun. Thank you. Oh, God bless you all. Thank you. Thank you.